Tony Stark built it in a cave with a box of scraps. Welcome to Primary Technology, the show about the biggest news in tech and why it matters. Lots of news this week. We're going to talk about Apple's new sports app that was just launched this week. iOS 17.4, lots of changes both in the EU and here. Alexa released a smart home hub, your move, Apple. OpenAI showed off its video generator, Sora. And we might just touch on Apple Vision Pro. We're not going to sit on it. And then a whole bunch of news at the end as well. This episode is brought to you by all of you who support the show directly. We want to thank you for that. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen. And joining me, as always, my friend Jason Aten. How's it going, Jason? It's good. And I think that was good advice. We're not, you should not sit on your Apple Vision Pro. No matter what, that would be oh. the wrong <laughs> thing to do with it, right? So. Don't sit, not, not made for sitting. Yeah, exactly. Now, I have a quick question for you before you dive into everything else. Because yes. every time we start the show, you just say things. I say words. And I'm wondering if people listen, which is what you normally would do on a podcast. That's what you do. But sometimes they feel like today you talked about Tony Stark in a cave. I did. And I'm wondering, did we ever explain to people? I don't know. Why? Or is this a version of like just a thing that Steven does when he starts talking. No, no. I like, do you do that in normal conversations <laughs> with just, random people at the grocery store? She's like, would you like plastic? And you're just like, Tony Stark built it in a cave. <laughs> I think, I'm just wondering. I'm going to start doing that, actually. I forget. It was okay. on one of the first episodes. Uh, it might just be for our bonus episodes, which you get in bonus episodes every week if you support the show, which you can do directly on Apple Podcast or at primarytech.fm. But we talked about like opening a show. It always feels awkward. And I don't know where the idea came from. I don't know if it was me or you, probably me, because it's weird. But I said, uh, we're going to, I'm going to just say a random movie line at the top of the show. But I've, I've now morphed that into, I try to say a movie line that is tangentially connected to something we're going to talk about in today's episode. Okay. So that's what I'm doing. Ooh, that's, if, if, so you're putting in the work. That's good. I appreciate it. It's that. not a lot of work. I'll be honest, but I have, <laughs> I'm putting in okay. a little work. I do have a okay. couple articles of like top 100 movie quotes and I have, you know, I do, you know, it's a little bit. I also have a movie podcast, right. which Again, connected. Helps. Anyway, yeah, that (laughs) helped. Anyway, we got a ton of news to talk about today, and we have to thank so many five-star reviewers. Last episode, we asked everyone. We wanted to get to 100 five-star reviews. I think we made it. Apple Podcasts is like a little delayed in registering reviews. So the latest one says like Monday, and we're at 96. But I'm going to say, in faith, I think we hit 100. Mm -hmm. And you could tell by all the people who followed our instructions, which is to leave a review of one word that just said nerds. Yes. <laughs> we, have, we have a bunch of reviews that just say nerds, and I just want to say thank you all. That's amazing. Please keep them coming. Yes. We'd like to give you a shout out here on the show. So I'm going to rapid fire these, and then we're, we're going to address our one-star review. I think we have two one-star reviews. I appreciate that. I think one is you, and then uh, this other guy left us a one-star review. <laughs> uh, well, because you thought you had to press each star to fill it in, and it, right after you press the one star, it just... I don't no. think I did that, but no, I, apparently they are both my fault anyway, so that's fine. They are both... I'm okay with that. The other guy is responsible both for one-star and five-star reviews. Yeah. So uh, here's the full list. I'm going to go real quick. D's 1111s, David R. My username is Adam, Mark G, NYC2, Adviso 07. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Xbiats Peru. I don't think it's an actual word. Uh, someone just had to hit their keyboard for like HDKSJD, you know, like that you just random thing. Uh, Varky. My cat left that one. Yeah, yeah. Varkius, realist photo, Jeff's MacBook Pro. <laughs> which I feel like, I don't know if it auto-filled his computer. That's interesting. Jordan I, Ill in 2020, The Fifth Diamond, Kristen Otto, J-Rod 1992, Club Los. He's, he, his review was one word. It said Twizzlers. I don't know if that was in response to, we talked about candy the other week. Like we did sort of say you could leave your favorite 
Halloween candy, although oh, Twizzlers is questionable as a Halloween candy, just to be honest. I don't think t- yeah, I don't think Twizzlers is a... Well, anyway, if you're leaving a review this week, you can put uh, your favorite Halloween candy and why candy corn is the worst. You can say that in the review. It's fine. Okay. And Todd Page is a good friend. I know he's reviewed other podcasts I've done. He's a five-star review. And he has a question, uh, which actually has a shortcuts solution. And so I think maybe uh, we should do that at the follow-up at the end. Uh, if you remember, if I remember... I'll try to remember. Okay. I'm making a note right now on my, my, my notepad. Oh, your notepad. Yeah, we're going to talk about there's it. A, there's a good teaser for you, though. <laughs> That's good. Jay, we're going to talk about Jason's use of a notepad uh, later. Yeah. One one-star review. No shout-out. Not saying your, the name, uh, but definitely blamed it on the other guy. <laughs> he literally That's said the true. other guy. And he went on to talk about some politics stuff, which I don't know if you realize, this is not a politics podcast. We don't talk about it's that. It's not. I think it's important for people to understand yes. that just because we we have things to say... We, they should not be taken in any way as a signal of any political affiliation. No. Chances are that if you're listening to this and you think you can determine our politics, you're probably wrong. And I don't mean that that's like that you're not an intelligent human. It's just that's not the point of the show. That's and right. if you have read any of my articles, you know that I'm just an equal opportunity pointer outer of knuckleheadery. That's like my title, <laughs> actually. And so that's pretty good. I just call it like I see it. And sometimes that means that the people that you think are on your team are going to get called out sometimes the people on the other team but i'm not on either of those teams so i just want to you're more than welcome to leave any review you want i just want to assure you that if you're listening and i say something about someone or a company it should not be taken as any kind of a signal no. that, that's it and what you should do is go to apple Podcasts. even if many of you i know you probably listen in overcast or pocket cast because we have a very tech savvy audience yeah but just open the apple podcast app. i know it'll be the first time in years but just go over open that app it's actually pretty good now the design is good you should check it out but anyway Leave Primary Technology a five-star review, and you can just say nerds, favorite Halloween candy, whatever you'd like. Yeah. And uh, just to show that Jason is is unbiased, he puts bumper stickers for every presidential candidate on his car for the last 20 years. You can barely see the car. It's pretty amazing. I'm driving the worst-looking Tesla in America. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. You know, he doesn't do that. All right, we have lots of news. Apple released a random app on a random Wednesday in the middle of February, and it's the Apple Sports app. I'm resisting making a sports ball joke. I'm not going to do it. I'm trying to I'm trying to respect the craft, but it is the Apple Sports app and it is free to download. You can get it right now. Interestingly, this wasn't tied to like an iOS 17.4 release, which usually we see Apple's like stock apps usually tied to an update or something. But this is a very, I think, simple sports app, you could say. One of the big omissions right now supposedly was the NFL, but that is coming and the MLB, it's weird. I think the marketing team and the developer team on this app might not have been communicating super tightly because in the press release, as still in the Apple Newsroom article, it said MLB will be coming soon, but actually the MLB is in the app right now. You can do that. I, I'm going to have to lean on you, Jason, because as <laughs> if anyone has listened to stuff that I've done in the past, I'm not super into sports, okay? Well, let me let me start first. It isn't entirely coincidental. I mean, it did drop basically the same day as MLS started, which Apple basically owns right. MLS, right? right? I mean, you to watch MLS, it's on Apple TV+. Plus, So there is like some logic to the timing, if you want to think about it that way. Yeah, MLB is technically in there, but you do know they're also, they're also not playing right now, right? They don't start spring training right. for a couple months, right. and then the season doesn't start until, you know, a little bit later in the year. Obviously, the NFL... <laughs> Remember the whole big game Super Bowl thing? They're they're done for a while. We don't get to see any more Taylor Swift at NFL stadiums unless you go to a concert. Which I just have to say, I was I was texting my friend Nate and I texted him the app because he's into sports as well. And I said, NFL 
you know, should be coming when the season starts, you know, months from now. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. NFL is all year round. He said the draft starts in April. And so, you know, it's always NFL season. And I said, listen, that's, that's a deeper cut than I realized. But also, I just want to mention the movie quote at the beginning was because one of the funniest memes from the big game was Travis Kelsey yelling at his coach. Oh, yeah. And someone put the words on that picture. Tony Stark built us in a cave with a box of yeah, scraps. And I thought true. that was a very good meme. That's, that's how it's it tangentially is. connected. That, that, that's true. Well, no, that's okay. I, you know, there are not normally scores from the NFL draft, but he is, Nate is right that it is coming. <laughs> I was actually in Vegas a couple of years ago, like a couple of days before the draft as they were setting up and it was just bonkers. I mean, Vegas is bonkers. Mm-hmm. NFL draft is bonkers. Put the two things together. Double bonkers. Can't even imagine what the Super Bowl would have been. Yeah, I can't even imagine. But I have a quiz for you. I have a question. I have, I, I, this is sports related here. Oh, great. Because if you listen to Steven, Steven knows a lot about technology and almost nothing about sports. And so I have a couple questions. Not wrong. We're gonna, we'll make this quick because I don't want to dwell too much on Steven's inadequacies because that would be not mm. very nice as a friend. No, no, it's totally but my nice. question is mm. how many, without looking this up, he didn't know about this ahead of time. How many division one college football conferences can you name? Okay. Now hold on a second. Isn't this like the, the big, he doesn't even understand. The I don't understand the question. Is this like one of, is like the big 10 and the top eight or is this okay, like yeah, the Southeast? Big 10 is one of them. I'm just the asking big... you to name as okay. many as you can that are college football conferences. And the Big Ten is one. So there you go. I get the Big Ten is one. Yep. Uh, you, you got the uh, the top four. L- literally, that was a guess. I didn't know if it was like the Southeast, like the, because uh, don't like, you know, Bama roll tide or whatever. That's a thing. Yeah. Aren't they in a conference? Where do they, what conference are they? They're all in a conference. Which one are they in? Are they the SEC something? Yep, there you go. You got two. Oh, I got two. That's good. <laughs> I got two. Uh, I, oh, the, is the, uh, the, the West something. Is there one with the word West in it? There's a couple. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The, the West. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. That's literally all I got. Okay. That's that's two. That's actually, to be honest, better than I expected. So I'm proud of you. So thank there, you. Yeah. I mean, we could have accepted Big Ten, Big Twelve, the ACC, the Mountain West. Maybe was what you were going for. Imagine. The Mid American Conference, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Sun Belt Conference. There's a bunch of them. So I just was okay. curious. I just wanted people to know that when Stephen <laughs> is talking about this app, he is purely doing this for our audience because he could not care less about the sports app just just so well, that you know to be clear so a couple of interesting things i will say <laughs> about the sports app from a like tech standpoint well number one yeah. i opened the app for the first time and was immediately dumbfounded because i wasn't sure what to do i wanted to just see the app and it won't let you get past the splash screen without choosing teams like favoriting yep. teams or leagues and i was like does this something everybody has to do and just to, again to show you how little I follow sports, apparently, if you had chosen favorite teams or leagues either in the news app or in Apple TV app, I believe, it would have pulled yep. those favorites when you first opened the sports app. And apparently, I had never ever done that. And so this <laughs> was the first time I ever had to choose teams, which even that was like, I don't even know what to choose. I mean, yeah. I guess I'm near Tampa, so I chose like the Rays. And because I'm from New York, I chose the Yankees and that'll probably make everyone mad. I don't even know what that means. Mm. Did that, opened it up. I think, you know, John Gruber, he had a great article on Daring Fireball talking about the app. He's a big sports guy and also knows a little bit about sports betting, which I found to be one of the more interesting aspects of this app is not only can you see live scores, standings, live activities are apparently coming. Uh, They're not, I think, available right this second, but they should be once seasons start for these sports or whatever. 
you can click one like one button to watch on Apple TV or the Apple tell you where you can stream certain games. But there's going to be betting odds right there for each game. I don't even know how to read betting odds. There's something called like money line and then the spread, which I think is the point <laughs> spread. Again, this is how little I know. But just the fact that Apple is putting betting information here, I believe it's powered. Do you remember what it's powered by? Is it DraftKings? Yeah, I think it is DraftKings. I don't know that for 100% sure, but I do believe it is. I think it's powered by DraftKings because Gruber said he actually finds more accurate betting stats from FanDuel and the uh, like MGM something. So anyway, I find it interesting. My question to you is going to be, one day, do we think that Apple is going to allow people to do sports betting in their app? And I'm not talking like this year, next year. I'm saying years down the road as iPhone sales flatline and just constant, you know, consistent upgrades, but no growth. iPads, they're not spent all 2023, not even making a new iPad. You know, services revenue, if that ever needs a little spike for investors, will they open betting? And if they did, I mean, how crazy would it be for the billions, maybe not billions, no, the millions of users and the billions of devices that have an Apple ID with a credit card attached, if they could somehow place bets with what they have already set up, so it's literally as easy as tapping like two buttons. I don't know. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that would ever be a thing? This feels like the perfect illustration of, you know, the cartoons when, they, when we were a kid and they'd have the character and you'd have like the angel on one side and the devil on the other side. <laughs> and in this case, those two things are enormous yelling into Tim Cook's ears because on the one hand, there is no way that Apple wants anything to do. They don't even allow betting apps on the iPhone at this point. Right, so right. they don't even, there's no way they want anything to do with betting except <laughs> over here is this devil going like, Revenue. Money, 30% money. of every spread. Oh, come. Yeah, so this feel. I don't know which of those two is going to win out. Historically, it seems like most of the time it's been the money, right? And so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, and would that mean that Apple would then have to allow that type of app on the iPhone, right? That feels like it's the floodgate that would open because oh, there's no way that Apple could have its own but not allow MGM or not allow FanDuel or, or, or DraftKings right. or any of those things. And so... That, mm. that just feels a really interesting thing. But if I had to place a bet, no pun intended, <laughs> I would say that it seems totally out of character of Apple from everything I would expect, except for that, yes, they're going to probably do that. Like, it seems interesting. like obvious. Uh, again, I, I don't know the legalities US or worldwide, but with the changes in 17.4 in the EU, having to open up to third-party app stores and, you know, different, not the same rules, basically, as the US, does that mean it's possible then for betting apps to be on the iPhone in the EU through third-party app marketplaces? I don't know anything about the legality of betting in Europe, but what I will say is that I don't think Apple could prevent them from being that, from being on it. Because right. they think that the rule, the if I remember correctly from all of you know the DMA stuff, that Apple can't reject apps based on content at this point. And so mm. it's in the third-party marketplaces. They can still set their own rules for their own for their own app store, but for third party. So that's like really where people think the third party app stores are going to be those types of apps that just can't exist currently on the iPhone and betting seems like it's the big, the big one. So, you know, I think it is interesting that Apple has started releasing really simple apps, iPhone only also big part. Like this seems like a prime app to be on iPad, maybe even Apple vision pro if you were watching sports and then had the sports app open, but this is iPhone only notably like journal, which launched with iOS 17 
and is still, or actually, I guess it launched with like 17.2 or something. It didn't come out uh, with the main right. release. Right. But it, the journal is still iPhone only, missing a lot of features that users want. It just seems like an interesting trend of Apple to kind of release these first generation, first party apps that are iPhone only, very single purpose, simplistic. Did you ever, let me ask you this. Did you ever use a third party app to like look at sports scores during games and such? So no, I, ex- except during a game, if I can't, like for example, our, we're Michigan State basketball fans and the other day they were on Peacock, I'm pretty sure, which is, by sure. the way, please stop putting games that people want to watch on your random niche streaming service that no one subscribes to we'll talk we can talk about this more later but please yeah. stop doing it. just please it's not i didn't pay for it you're not i'm just gonna not get to watch the game mm-hmm. what i just will do is google i just use google because google just tells me the real-time scores if i type right. it in it just pops up and actually i'm pretty sure siri will just do that if you type it into the search bar it'll just show you that kind of stuff yeah i haven't i mean sometimes i'll open the espn app especially during march madness mm, but okay. well you know what march madness is right it's the it's the college basketball. Yes, I, I know that March Madness. There's okay. certain sports things that are like you just can't not know because it's just everyone talks about it. Yep. And then I'm the only guy in the room that's like, yeah, March Madness. <laughs> but you're probably the guy who, if you entered a March Madness pool, would have the greatest chance of winning because you'd fill out a bracket having no just idea totally who's supposed to win random. these games, and you just randomly do it, and a lot of the games end up being random anyway. So. Yeah, maybe I should see if I could place a bet in that Apple Sports app. Just kidding. Uh, but anyway, well, the other thing I was going to say was Gruber mentioned, and if other people have used different third-party apps to track scores, like the ESPN, I think there's another app like Score or something, that Apple Sports app is actually much faster to load and show the scores, mostly because there's not all the ads and other cruft that you might find in third-party apps, so that is actually a big benefit. And I'm just curious how fast these apps will come to iPad and Apple's other platforms, like Journal, Apple Sports, things like that. But yeah. anyway, that's enough. That's the Apple Sports app. We'll put a link to their newsroom article. And just to tag on a few more Apple things, iOS 17.4, we got beta 4 earlier this week, and we're seeing more and more information about what's going to be included in that. One being Apple announced that iMessage is getting even greater end-to-end encryption. Now, there's a bunch of words here that I don't understand. But I'll just put this this article. Uh, Basically, it's PQ3 encryption. And this is really the chart. So if you're watching, you can go to youtube.com slash at primary tech show or click the link in the show notes. But they basically have this graph of cryptography and how secure different levels of cryptography are. Level zero, which I feel like this is just kind of like a side burn like WeChat, <laughs> Telegram, like right. no end-to-end encryption by default. That's like the far left right. level zero. Level one is end-to-end encryption by default, which apps like Line, WhatsApp, the previous version of Signal, and the previous version of iMessage. And then there's post-quantum cryptography, or PQC. I don't even know what kind of quantum hacking is going on. I don't know what that means. I thought that was like an atomic level thing. I thought like Ant-Man is fighting off uh, spam in your iMessages. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what's happening. But level two is PQC key establishment, which is Signal, I guess, uses that level two. And iMessage, starting with 17.4, they're going to slowly upgrade iMessage conversations to use this level three, which is PQC key establishment, ongoing PQC rekeying. And apparently iMessage is going to be the only messaging service at this point that uses this secure post-quantum cryptography uh, key establishment and rekeying. I mean, it sounds really fancy. 
That's exciting, I guess. Okay, here we go. Super. This is the easiest way to explain this. Now, one thing I should say, if you're looking at this graph, the, the ones that say no end-to-end encryption by default. So for example, I believe that this is true in Telegram that you can enable end-to-end encryption. It's just not on by default. default. So it doesn't mean that those things have nothing. But the idea is that Apple is trying to create a system that... So currently, end-to-end encryption requires a key to decrypt it on both ends, right? For both users having right. their own key and only people with that key. And in theory, if you had a powerful enough computer, you could figure out what that key was if someone really, really, really wanted to. It's just that at this point in time with computing technology, even with our M3 Max, MacBook Pros, and whatever you might have, like it, it would take like on a matter of like years, decades to work out all of the potential possibilities and to do that. That could change though, when you introduce quantum computing, which is not a mainstream thing at this point, right? There are like, I don't even know, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that you could count the number of actual quantum computers on one, maybe two hands, right? Right, I know Google has one, IBM has one, like there's these, there are some that exist, but they're not, they're not a mainstream thing and they don't usually rent out access to hackers. And so that's a good thing. But if there is a point in time in the future when if they become more available, that someone with a computer like that would be able to much more quickly work out these, these keys and then decrypt your messages. And so what Apple is actually doing is an interesting thing where they are creating a, a protocol that in there that is designed to resist quantum computing attacks, but also they're designing it in a way that you can't even capture the information now because one of the things, if you were a political dissident or a journalist or someone who is a high value target, a group mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe think when we say group, probably a state, right, might try right. to capture all of your information now knowing that they can't read it, but that they could someday. And so Apple is trying to prevent both of those things from happening. They're trying to protect protect against threats that are exist today in the world, but no. also keep your information secure so that they couldn't just take all that stuff and then decrypt it someday when they get a powerful enough computer. So that that's, that's the wow. real world application of this. Will it matter to most people? No. Like it's great that Apple's doing this and that it's just going to yeah, be a amazing. part of it. Will it change your experience? For most people, probably not. If you're not somebody who already turned on whatever that feature, the advanced private, pr- pr- whatever that protection, for advanced like iCloud key, data protection. Key. But it's like the super like mm-hmm. duper. If you're like about to be kidnapped by oh, political oh, oh right, yes, groups. yeah. There's a. It's essentially the feature we told no one to turn on. Yeah, don't it would make your on. life way too much of a mess. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing that Apple. I mean, again, to your point, does these kinds of updates and builds these things into iMessage, and no one. Maybe I don't know that is asking for it, or that the you know most users will never feel the difference. But I'm glad to know that they're doing it, and it's happening in the background and be more secure. So that's cool. Uh, Real quick, just some other iOS 17.4 changes. I kept saying we were going to talk about the Apple Podcast updates, and we never got a chance. So Apple Podcast getting some really great updates in 17.4, which should be coming out in March. Apple said in one of their newsroom articles that in March it will be available to everyone. It's on beta four right now. But the Apple Podcast widget is actually going to change color depending on the show art that you're actually playing, which is pretty cool. Uh, that's something that Pocket Cast, I believe Overcast does as well. I know Pocket Cast does it. So it's nice to see that feature being added. And then also Apple Podcast transcriptions, which transcriptions are supported in RSS. There's like an ID tag for transcriptions. So podcasts who have had transcriptions in their RSS feed, it will now be viewable in Apple Podcasts. And honestly, it looks great. Like this right here, we're showing it on YouTube that you can see this transcript live. Like it actually follows the words as they're being spoken. You can search the transcript and then jump between all the search terms or search results using arrows. 
and you can even just view the full transcript if maybe someone is hearing impaired but they just want to read the entire text of the show you can do that and i think what's notable is apple is just transcribing everyone's podcasts like even if you did not have transcriptions before or uploaded transcriptions apple's just doing it and uh yeah i have to yeah, I like to. I'm going to say something because I've always wanted to say something like this. A little birdie told me tangentially. Oh boy, I don't even know if I should say this. It's not that big of a deal. But uh, apparently, <laughs> Apple has actually. Okay, if you're going to start the sentence with that, it better be a big deal. I mean, Come on. I think I think it's interesting as a podcast creator when you search in the Apple Podcast app, it will show you not only podcast show results but episode results depending on what you search. And it's not just searching the titles and descriptions of podcasts. There's actually been transcribing happening behind the scenes all like for a long time. And that's what actually went into search being improved over time in Apple Podcasts. So basically, this is something that Apple is just finally bringing to the surface, building it into the app so you can see the transcript alive and uh, just a really exciting feature. And so Apple Podcasts gets really good. I think I'm going to make a video soon because a lot of people are asking, why do you use Apple Podcasts over Pocket Cast and Overcast? They have so many more features. Yes, there was, I was a Pocket Cast user for a long time. It's an amazing app. Overcast is amazing. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll talk about that another time. What app do you use to listen to podcasts? So I actually, this is going to sound super like I'm like I'm pandering, but I actually just use whatever Steven recommends at the moment. Wow. Because Appreciate I it. had been using Pocket Casts for a very long time. And then he was like, you should use, you should use podcasts. The po- tried to, I mean, he didn't say this to me. He just yeah. in general was like, Hey, the podcast app is really good all of a sudden. So I'm like, Oh, I should check that out. So I had gone back to using it. It does have a fatal flaw, which is it cuts off the notes after a certain amount of characters, yes. which is ridiculous. Apple, whoever yeah. that little birdie was, please like, come on, this is, <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, are you running out of server space or something? Like this doesn't, I mean, you're yeah. certainly the notes is not anywhere. It's like got to be less than 1% of the total data involved in serving up a podcast. So like, come yes. on. I have two huge complaints that every time I am, I get to be a part of a briefing with Apple podcast people. I mention these two things, even if it's, even if their updates have nothing to do with it. One is the show notes being cut <laughs> off at 4,000 characters. No other podcast does it. A Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, they all show the entire show notes. They don't cut them off. And then two, podcast subscriber audio. So if you support this show directly in Apple Podcasts, you get the ad-free version, but you can't get chapters. Apple actually strips the chapters out of my MP3 file for the subscriber audio only, which is so frustrating because those are the people actually paying to listen to the content and they're not getting the chapters and the custom chapter art which I spend a lot of time doing. I enjoy doing the chapter art for the uh, the show. But if you support the show at primarytech.fm, you get it through Memberful, and there you get chapters and everything. So if you want to support the show, but you don't want to lose chapters, you can support us on Memberful, and you still get everything in one feed. It's all nice and clean. But anyway, I mention it every time. And so if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, don't cut off my show notes. Give me chapters in subscriber. Yeah, this doesn't seem like too much to ask, really. But also, I think the one other thing I wish that they would do, and I think... Maybe Overcast is the one who does this the best. I can't remember if Pocket Cast does it. I'm pretty sure that they do. Is you can actually create a link to share to a direct spot in the in right. the episode as opposed to just the episode at all. And I think in Overcast it'll actually just export like a one minute clip of you it if you want to actually cut the audio yes. into it. Which so there are some really great apps out there. But I've been using the the Apple Podcast 
just because they made some changes and I thought I should use it and give it a shot and we'll see what happens. We'll so. see what Plus happens. I also use it on my Mac a, a surprising amount of time and it is nice to have oh, yeah. the the same sequence of like, here's what I've listened to, here's what I haven't. So Yeah, exactly. Anyway. I will say the Pocket Cast Mac app way better than Apple's Podcast app because it actually keeps your play time in sync. So you can literally press pause on your iPhone open the Pocket Cast app on your Mac, and it's synced exactly to the timestamp of the episode you were listening to. And Apple still doesn't do that. Okay, I'm, I'm switching back. As soon as we're <laughs> okay, done. okay. Real quick, last is 17.4 and we'll move on. In the EU, due to third-party app marketplaces, Apple is removing some features for web apps, which web apps have been around since the original iPhone. It was actually... Before the App Store, Steve Jobs was like, web apps, they're great. That's all you need on your iPhone, which obviously was not the case. But web apps have actually gotten features over the years. So a web app is like if you go to a website, Xbox Cloud Gaming is a prime example on the iPhone. You have to go to the website. And then if you add it to your home screen using the share button, that app actually gets more features. It could even send you notifications now. Web apps had that ability. And it would be able to run a little differently. I'm not sure the technical uh, change, but that's why Xbox Cloud Gaming, you had to add it to your home screen in order to use it rather than just in the Safari browser. I think you get like full screen viewing and all that. Yep, yep. But in the EU with 17.4, web apps will not have those capabilities. It actually removes the ability to have those home screen web apps as, and there's a term for it. What is it? Do you know it? It's like the... PFW or something? You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. PWAs. I have no idea what you're talking about. PWAs. Oh, those are progressive web, web apps. Progressive yep. web apps. Progressive web apps is the particular kind of web app where it could deliver push notifications with icon badges and things like that. So because of the DMA, they are removing this ability. They Apple is saying it's because of all third-party, because third-party app browsers will be allowed with different browser engines in the EU. They don't want to allow web apps because it's a security risk because these third-party Web browsers with different engines might do something nefarious. It would seem like they could still allow Safari to do it, but part of the DMA is also that Apple can't prefer its browser over others. So technically, they couldn't allow Safari to allow these progressive web apps and not Chrome or Edge or whatever. So yeah, no more progressive web apps in the EU due to 17.4. That's weird. I'm sure that there's a technical reason for this, but you could still open any quote web app in your browser all you're losing is the ability to save it to your home screen and have it open in its own enclosed thing without basically the browser chrome that's like the biggest benefit you get is you don't end up with the bar at the bottom and the whatever right so i don't i don't really understand this this feels i don't know if this is malicious compliance like we've been talking about with the dma but it does feel weird but at the same time i i I can't imagine that there are more than a dozen people who care like this feels Mm -hmm. like one of those things they're about to change that will have almost zero. I mean, in fact, I think that somewhere in one of the releases, they they made reference to the fact that like such an incredibly small number of people are using this that we're just right. not going to put the effort into figuring out how to make it work. And honestly, cloud gaming was probably one of the main use cases, at least the most pervasive. And that's actually going to be available directly in the app store globally. So Xbox cloud gaming and other apps can just have an app in the app store and not have to do the weird progressive web app thing. So, although I'm pretty sure Microsoft said they're not going to do that. Oh, they're not bringing. They're not. They're not doing it. I'm pretty sure. Really? I just heard this on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. I'll look it up. You keep talking. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure that Phil Spencer just said this on a podcast like this. It was with, with their Xbox thing. They're bringing their games everywhere except for to the except for they're not bringing cloud gaming. So oh. I'll have to look it up. Okay. So. Shoot. Well, well, we'll follow up on that. I'm not sure. Um, I do want to mention Alexa announced this week that they have a new Echo Hub that is basically the smart home controller everyone wants 
for HomeKit. <laughs> so this is a touchscreen display that is going to, it's like $180 and you'll be able to either mount it on a wall or have it in your kitchen on the countertop, 180 bucks. Jennifer Tui has an article on The Verge about it. She's, uh, I've had, talked, I had her on many podcasts before, but this device, pretty sweet. I mean, you can have smart home widgets. It has a proximity sensor where it'll turn the screen on as you approach it. There's no ads on it, which is surprising for an Amazon device. Kudos. You can do power <laughs> over Ethernet, which that feature alone would get me to buy this thing immediately. That's amazing. And also it's a smart home hub and it can connect to Zigbee, Thread, and Matter devices. So it kind of has all those smart home technologies in one, which is pretty sweet. Also works as a ring alarm panel. But here's the deal. Apple, just make one of these. Now I know yeah. there's going to be somebody out there that says, well, just put an iPad mini and mount it on the wall. It's not the answer. Okay. It's not the answer. We want, no, it's not. We want a dedicated smart home hub and build in those kinds of things like thread matter support. This way you don't have to have like an Apple TV or a HomePod because there are people out there who want to get started and might not have either of those. They might not have a HomePod mini. They might not have an Apple TV, but they have an iPhone an iPad and a Mac. They're like, I want to do smart home things. It would be amazing just to have this. It makes controlling smart home much more user-friendly, especially for those who are not like totally into it like you might be. And I just want to put this on my kitchen wall and be able to show scenes and widgets, be able to control devices. Someone rings the doorbell. You could see it on this screen, which, because right now I was thinking I actually have, I have HomeKit everything. And I have a HomeKit secure video doorbell, the Logitech Circle View. And so when someone rings it, if you have an Apple TV on, it will show the video of that doorbell on the Apple TV, which is a super cool feature. And you can even expand it, make it big. But if you don't have an Apple TV on, you can look at your device and you can see a thumbnail, but it would be so nice to have a device like this on the wall. Someone rings the doorbell and you immediately just see a video preview of who's at the door without having to look at a device. You know, if you're cooking, my wife's cooking in the kitchen or whatever, and she hands are doing stuff like don't have her device to see what's going on at the doorbell, just to look over and see the, the video doorbell preview on this. I, I would love it. So would you get one of these? I guess you can't. No, because it's, it's I'm not going to get one because it's made by Amazon. But I think the idea is exact. I mean, we have the Google Nest Hub Max, which is essentially right. this, but for Google. And we've had, I mean, Google's made this for a very long, like quite a while. And Echo has, Amazon has made an Echo show, but this is a much more targeted, like smart home control device than, than the previous versions right. were. And absolutely, I think that Apple needs to make one. Well, I think it might have been on, was it unconnected early this, not this week, but last week that they were, the guys were talking about how like somebody was digging through something related to TVOS updates and then HomePod updates and saw like that there were like UI yes. bug debugging yes, controls yes. that make it seem as though it's pretty clear that there is a HomePod in the works that has a screen and that that could be coming. I mean, the rumors that they were doing this have been true for a while, but it does actually seem like there is some code, you know, the people who know a lot more about code who seem to think that it is much closer. And yes, we, we talked about this on one of our, I mean, we've only done 10 episodes, so it hasn't been that long, but we on one of our earlier episodes, we talked about the Google yes. tablet that I was like reviewing and it, the whole thing, like Apple, just make one of these things. Make me a speaker and a screen yes. that I can put in my kitchen. I think that I connected. They even called it the kitchen pod, right? Like, just make one. You you can even use that name. I'd still buy it, as dumb as that is. It'd <laughs> still be easier than Google's naming convention, the Google Nest Hub Max. I got it right that time. By that was good. that was good. See, you could just have so you have HomePod. You got HomePod Mini. You can do HomePod Ultra with a screen. You mm -hmm. could do HomePod Vision 
now. Mm. Mm. Little cross, little cross thing. You could do HomePad iPad, or you got iPad Air, iPad Pro, <laughs> iPad HomePod, <laughs> iPad mm. Home. This is getting worse as we go. Never mind. Apple, just make one of these. Just, just make one of <laughs> yes, these. That's please. all we want. Yeah, call it whatever you want. I'll give you two hundred dollars. Just call it anything. I don't care. Two hundred, Jason. This thing's going to be three fifty at the least. I, I mean, a big HomePod is three fifty. A big HomePod is three hundred, right? but there's no screen. Three hundred. Does Apple sell anything with a screen for under $500? I don't think so. No, but this is an interesting point. Apple generally prices its thing to be roughly 20% more than the best version of that thing. Right. So if you look at the best version of what we're describing, I think the current best version is that Google Nest Hub Max. Nice. And it's nice. like, what, 180 or something? So my guess is it, I, I, my guess is they make one for 250 Google Nest Hub Max is $230. Okay, so I was wrong. Apple, <laughs> Apple's going to make theirs for $279. That's gonna, I'm going to call it $279. Okay, it's going to be $700. You're right. It's basically going to cost <laughs> the iPhone. Seven hundred dollars i just want to throw this in just before we take a break wise which is a smart home camera maker i've heard i get emails jason you know because i have a youtube channel and people want to send me products to review and i've gotten to the place now where i just say no to pretty much everybody uh but this is a company like i've gotten emails not from them directly but like from pr agencies and i'm always like a it's not home kit so i'm not going to use it but b right i don't know i always got a funny feeling about wise which Again, might seem like self-serving in <laughs> Which retrospect. Was fortuitous, apparently. <laughs> yes. Which fortuitous, apparently. But Wise Cameras had a massive security breach where 13,000 users were able to see other users' cameras. And it wasn't camera feeds, to be clear, but 13,000 users of Wise Cameras were able to see the static thumbnail image previews from other users' cameras in their app. Which, even yeah, a frozen thumbnail image can be pretty... Like, that's rough. That's super bad. Super but also, bad. there was a report that there were some people that when they clicked on it, did oh. get to see archive video. Archive, oh, like, saved Lord. video. I know. But here's the... Can I, I want to say something about this. They, they What they've said is that it was the problem of a third-party caching library that went down and because there was like an outage with their service. And then when it came back up, it overloaded this third party they basically blamed aws which is the internet like all of the internet is aws <laughs> and it's not that they don't occasionally have things go out but i don't think like it probably yeah. wasn't their fault because fundamentally i should write about this but no one knows what wise is so that's why i haven't written about it but fundamentally if your entire technology stack is built in a way that this could ever happen then you're just doing it wrong, right? Because if you think about the way that Apple does it, there is just no scenario because of the way that Apple builds its tech stack that if a HomeKit, it's HomeKit secure video. Like there's a reason that they call that. It's right in the name. Only, only there's no scenario where I think they said something like customer IDs and like, uh, video ID, device IDs got mixed up in some database somewhere. Like that should just never ever happen and i'm i don't i don't know how that i honestly don't know how a company like this could possibly come back from this well and this this was a similar case with eufy uh, their cameras it wasn't this kind of breach but they had something where i think device ids were leaked or like device names and wi-fi network names yeah um, something like that and so th this is just something again i'm i'm a big smart home person so if you know if you on my YouTube channel, I have several videos about how I have over 100 HomeKit devices. There are smart home brands I feel like are trustworthy, especially when it comes to cameras. Like Arlo, I think is a great brand. They make HomeKit stuff, but it's also compatible with other devices. I think Ecobee has some really good cameras. Eve, obviously, those more HomeKit. 
But this is one of the reasons why I use HomeKit Secure Video solely. Like it's the only one. Unify is also another one because I know the Unify crowd, which I'm a Unify guy. That's my whole network. But if I don't mention Unify, there's going to be hordes of people being like, Unify is the best camera. I just need to say, Unify, <laughs> probably some of the best security cameras too. Very secure. Also like We're going to get recording. more one-star reviews. We're just, no, no, no one-star one reviews. Listen, leave a okay. five-star and tell us why Unify security cameras are the best. You can do that. <laughs> um, Thank you. But I will say, HomeKit Secure Video, this is why I'm, I'm just all in on HomeKit because I don't, I never have to think about it. Like no third party yep. is accessing that data. Like it's me and Apple and that's it. And yep. everything happens locally. It's the beauty of HomeKit. Even if like the internet goes down, but my Wi-Fi network is still up just because, you know, Frontier's out or whatever, like you can still control all your home devices because it's all local and secure. HomeKit Secure Video, it's right in the name right in the name yeah anyway and when you say like when your internet goes out what you mean is that you're getting less than one gig up and down right <laughs> unless it's, i'm getting two gigs down i consider the internet it's to be up. out, it's, 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 out. Just, yeah, I get it. it's totally out everybody stop it's using a... the internet all right dad needs to upload a video you I just wanted to clarify <laughs> get off your phone it's funny uh, uh, andrew right. edwards he's a, a great youtuber he was talking about wi-fi 7 and getting 1500 down and i messaged him i said i don't get out of bed for less than two gigs i don't even get out of bed i really want to make a shirt for that Anyway, we got a lot more news to cover. We're going to have to hit it quickly. But before we do, just want to take a break and thank those who support the show directly because this episode was brought to you by you, our members who support us in Apple Podcasts and on Memberful. And so if you haven't yet, you can get an ad-free version, meaning even this section where we're plugging our own show, I cut out for the ad-free version. And so you could go over, you could subscribe in Apple Podcasts, $5 a month, or go to primarytech.fm, click bonus episodes, same $5 a month or $50 a year. You can do that in either place. We have several who have done that. Thank you. And you can support the show, which is, A, just great to support stuff you love, uh, support other podcasts too. And also you get bonus episodes every week. So you get the ad-free version of the main show and a separate bonus episode, which you talk about really fun stuff. I grilled Jason on his Tesla last week. I think I just said exciting and I'm going to say this next line, but I think we're going to talk about why Jason uses notepads this week. <laughs> Just, I, I'm very excited to hear. <laughs> I think, like paper, like he like just, paper just I mean, yeah, like, yeah, why I write, exactly. write with stuff on paper. Yeah, exactly. We would ask that you could support the show. And we understand if you can't do $5 a month, leave that five-star review in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That also helps the show. And so thanks to everyone who supports the show, which they're not hearing this because I cut it out. But to all of you who will support the well, show. Thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you anyway. And for those of you who support the show for hearing this, thank you as well. And now back to the show. Open AI launched Sora or announced, I keep saying launched, they previewed Sora last week. For some reason, I really thought Thursdays were just a good day to do a podcast about tech news because most of the tech news is out. And like the last four weeks, it's been announcement right after we're yeah. done recording from Apple, from other places. But anyway, Sora is OpenAI's video AI model, and it is really impressive. If you have not, uh, I'll put an article to a link to Jason's article covering Sora. You should just go to the Sora website and preview some of the videos that they have generated by AI. And it is really mind blowing. Some of it, I had to disable ad blockers so you can actually see these videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so here's um AI generated video. Again, like just incredible. And um, as always, MKBHD had great commentary on like, what are the ramifications? What does this mean? And I think it's because you know, image generation was one thing. This video generation, it feels like a huge step. And a lot of people were comparing it to the Will Smith eating spaghetti generated AI video, which I did not see a year ago. And now seeing it like come back up in the news, it is literally horrifying. 
I don't even want to show it on this podcast because it <laughs> yeah, is don't. so weird, so bizarre. But they redid Will Smith eating spaghetti with Thesora, and it's pretty amazing. As a video creator myself, I feel like one, how fast it progresses in a year is wild. And I think slightly scary, like to think about five years from now, what this technology is capable of. Number two, I feel more sure than ever that people are going to look for personal connections, especially to creators. And so I do feel that the creator economy, especially like tech creators, you know, vloggers, whatever, I think it's actually going to drive people more to that personality-based content because AI is farther away from being able to generate that. And even if it could, like, totally generate a person and has it like an AI generated YouTube channel, basically like think MKBHD, but a fake person generated by AI. I think people just knowing the fact that it would be generated will be more averse to that and want to find an actual human being flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. I think that, I don't know, that's just an idea I have about the future. But third, there are several industries that this is going to disrupt in a big way I think the biggest and most immediate one, once Sora is available publicly, like right now you can't use it just yet. It's going to launch in the future. I'm sure this is going to be a paid service, at least with ChatGPT Plus, like the $20 a month, probably in addition, I would think, because this seems like a very, I don't know, a very useful tool. And again, the main use case I feel like that businesses and brands will jump on is stock footage rather than pay to find stock footage on a service or rummage through Shutterstock or whatever for a piece of stock footage you need for a company video or whatever, you can just generate exactly what you want and it look like real. Like there's a couple drone shots mm -hmm. that are on the Sora website that, well, they look like drone shots. I just said it was a drone yeah. shot and it's just, yeah. it is mind boggling. So I'm going to pull up that website, but I don't know. Tell me, tell me your thoughts when you saw this launched and like seeing some of those initial videos. Yeah, I have I think I have three three quick thoughts. The first one is it's it is sort of staggering how how far into the future this looks like it is, right? It's a, it right. just you're like, wow, this is AI generated. I didn't we didn't I didn't think we'd get here yet. But then when you start to watch it, it's like it's like 80%. We we were at like 5% and we got to 80% and it's amazing. But man, that last 20%, we are a long way away. Like there's the video of the people at the birthday party and the ladies blowing out a candle and the people in the background have no bones in their hands, <laughs> right? Like it is the, so the, in my mind, yeah. the only, the only industry right now that this is going to disrupt is horror films because every single, I know how you feel about body horror, Steven. And I don't this, like it. Every one of these videos, when you start to, even the ones that are animals and pets, they're just like, what is, what, what is wrong with now, that dog? Like, no, I don't no, wait a minute. where now, the other dog come from. This video that we're playing right now, the human faces in this like quote unquote movie trailer, I think is pretty impressive. Now, granted, they're not moving. Yes. Like they're not moving very much. The human faces are just right. like kind of static. But oh, and th this was like one of the drone shots I was saying. Like this shot right here yep. of like this looks just like someone captured a drone shot. And this is totally AI generated and could totally, like, could totally get it. Now, the birthday thing and OpenAI was open about this, pun intended, but they were like, it's not perfect. And one of the things it's really bad at is hands. <laughs> and like these are some oh. of the failed attempts, like this dude running on a treadmill. 
kind of backwards. The foxes that are kind of like self-generating yeah. out of each other. spawning just out of, what is happening? <laughs> this, I mean, this is the problem, but I got to find, oh, this is the birthday one, this which one. is <laughs> literally oh. horrifying. But like, if you just look at a glance and you're just focused on, you know, the, the elderly lady blowing out candles, well, she never blows them out. You don't think much of it. <laughs> and then as you look closer, the candles, the flames at the top of the candles are blowing in different directions. Like right. this is a like spot the differences, like spot the things. And if you look at any person in the background, <laughs> the hands, it's, literally horrifying. I think this is body horror. Uh, I think this qualifies. It, it, it absolutely is. It's like the other one that is, in, that is terrifying is the one where the cat wakes up the person in bed and the cat has at least yeah. three front legs. And the person that's in bed has at least three front limbs. It's just, um, so it's my scary. point is I think we're safe for a little while because some of this stuff is just, it's, it's amazing because again, we were used to some, like looking at things that were like 5% of the way there. And now we're like 80%, right. but that last 20%. And the reason is, and well, Google had its own like blow up because they had to shut down image generation in Gemini because of some, like it was not hmm. creating historically accurate images. That's a whole separate issue. But one of the quotes was something along the lines of like, that's because these things, they don't actually understand physics. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Like, this is the worst <laughs> video in the history of humanity. When you watch, it's amazing at first. And then you realize the Oh, there's a paw and wait, uh, hold on. It's and there's another front. What's going on? Front left paw. I so don't understand. What's happening. And then so watch scary. the human's arm. It's just all. What happened? Why is yeah, there a it's, hand? It's weird. That it's, cat murdered that person, Stephen. <laughs> all eight paws. Anyway. I don't understand. Anyway, I'm sorry. This was terrible. This is the worst podcasting. In no, the no, no. It's, this, just go watch this segment on YouTube and go subscribe <laughs> yeah, to the channel, please. by the way. <laughs> but anyway, okay. and I, it is just impressive how fast the technology is moving. Uh, like, I get that there is some concern, but I just think stock footage, especially like, like if you were trying to make a career out of like drone photography of landscapes, I feel like that's, that's going to be a hard industry. Like you're going to have to have like the most incredible drone footage, like flying through an erupting volcano with like close-ups of magma balls in order to differentiate <laughs> from the kind of AI generated content. And honestly, you might like things you couldn't achieve with a physical drone and camera one day soon, you'll be able to achieve with these AI generated video clips and i think it's it's a wild time like it's it's pretty incredible yeah a side note i'll just throw it in here uh you were pointing out nvidia which makes graphics cards had i don't know was it one of their biggest quarters ever like ridiculous oh yeah if when you look at what their revenue was compared to the previous year it's like multiples of like 290 percent types like yeah. it's it's just completely astronomical because the, you know, if you think about the last year was, I think chat GPT was released to the public in November of 2022. So we're like 18 months away from that roughly. Right. And so NVIDIA, if you look at the market cap of NVIDIA from that point, it was like roughly $300 billion. I'm, I'm not going to get the numbers exactly right, but somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's getting close to 200, 2 trillion right now. So it's like, Oof. it is just riding the wave of AI. NVIDIA is benefiting more from the rise of AI than open AI than Microsoft, than any of these other companies because they make the chips. They, yeah, 265%. Right. They make the chips that right now are fueling all of this. And right. they are projecting that it's going to continue to grow over the next year as well. Their stock right. was up like 10 or 12 or 15% or something like that. It's just, it's completely yeah, banana. Like this is like, 
an iPhone moment, right? And, and the thing is, the iPhone didn't even increase the value of Apple that much in a year, but it's it was the thing that set it on the course. This right. this at this point is even. In fact, the only example I can think of, which maybe is a cautionary tale, is mm. Peloton during the pandemic. Right? They had mm. explosive growth because no one could go outdoors, and so everybody bought their Peloton bikes. But obviously, what we know is that people there was only so many people that were ever going to buy them. They all just bought them at once. Right? right? Peloton spent five hundred million dollars on a factory and filled it up with bikes that no one ever bought, and is now like selling them at Kmart on clearance. That that part's not true, but like they, they can't <laughs> sell these things anymore because people can go back outside. Like we can go do things. We can go to movie theaters. We can go to Planet Fitness again if you want to. So I don't know that, that that's necessarily the what's going to happen to Nvidia, but it does seem like at some point there are only so many places you can put data centers, right? I don't know what, what that amount is, but there. But I think that they were projecting that there is another something along the lines of like two trillion dollars worth of data centers to be built in the next five or six years. And right now, Nvidia is poised. You know, if you think about if they're generating twenty-two billion dollars in revenue, but they're projecting that it could be two trillion dollars worth of data centers. Like that's a lot of room to grow, is what I'm trying to say. And it's just amazing to me, like from a long, like many years viewpoint. Graphics cards, obviously used in computers, video games, video production and editing, like graphics processing, and this new use case for a technology that's been around for decades and is now exploding this business again. Yep. It's pretty amazing. And so to be clear, like these la- large language models run on graphics cards. And this was also the kind of like the crypto boom as well, which is like graphics cards. Like you couldn't even get them for years because I was trying to mine for Bitcoin or whatever. Right. Uh, which uh, I never did. I think that's somewhere in the quantum realm with my <laughs> iMessages. So yes, there you go. Well, and specifically, it's that you know Nvidia makes a specific chip. The I think it's the H one hundred that is specifically designed for servers in data centers. So people aren't buying like forty nineties to do this. First of all, that would be insanely expensive to try to like to just. Shop, like, yeah, yeah, fill yeah. a shelf full of those, but it is the it is the essentially the same type of a thing that these are graphical because it's all just linear processing as opposed to like a CPU, which is yeah I don't know the difference. I just that was all the words I knew about that. But the but the point is it is they are basically graphics cards, but they are right. a very specific kind that are designed to go into servers, and that is what does all of this right. um, processing. So exactly lightning round, just these last few things we hadn't talked about Apple Vision Pro all episode, and so I'm just gonna mention a couple things here which I find interesting. Apple Insider posted some images during the slam dunk contest. What looks like 3D stereoscopic cameras. These also look similar to what was used in that Alicia Keys music video. They were just in tall white speaker cabinets in that. But these look like maybe we'll see an immersive slam dunk video in Apple Vision Pro. Listen, I might not be totally in the sports ball. All right, I said it just once the Mm. entire episode. But I would watch this. I would watch some immersive content of a slam dunk contest. And also, it was Mac Rumors, I believe, found that Apple said the MLS, the 2023 playoffs were recorded in 8K 3D with 180 degree field of view. And coming soon, Apple Vision Pro users can experience the 2023 MLS Cup playoffs in the first ever sports film captured in Apple immersive video. So it seems like it'd be more film than like just watching the full on games. But I do think it is interesting having sports captured in immersive video. And if one day, I have to imagine the technology or the, the maybe the bandwidth needed, but to like stream a live sports game in immersive video, I mean, I'm sure that's the goal. Like to be able to watch MLS, right. Friday Night Baseball, watch the NBA in immersive video live. 
When we get to that, I don't know how far off it is. Is it a year? Is it months? That's going to be a cool experience. And my father-in-law is like the mo- like how I am with sports on the spectrum. He is the opposite end of the spectrum. Like he is all the sports all the time, knows all the things. And that is going to be when I have him try Apple Vision Pro. And, you know, that might be enough for him to buy one. <laughs> we'll see. Immer- immersive sports might be it. I-, I was going to ask you, are you the type of person who, if you, once you know the score of a game, can you go back and watch it? But you don't watch the game anyway, so the score is irrelevant to you. So that's fine. But because I can't, if I know, like if I find out what the score of a game is, like forget it. Right, I, right. There's nothing else that happens in the game that's interesting. It doesn't matter how incredible the highlights are. I'll just watch the highlights like a clip on, on YouTube or whatever. It doesn't matter. But so, but you asked how long it's going to be before we get there this first of all you're going to need all of your two gigs to get any of this like for for sure because right now you can get like six sporting events and they're mostly like premier league soccer in 4k you can't even get 4k right i think the super bowl was in 4k but it was actually like 1080p upscaled or something stupid like that like ridiculous because it's just the the bandwidth isn't there and you know even on a 4k television you're not sitting so close that it matters but anyway it's going to be a while because this is like the word she's 180 degree 80 degree 8k stereoscopic spatial video like there's a lot of words in there that increase the bandwidth is all i'm trying to say (laughs) yes yes exactly it's gonna be a challenge we're really terrible at lightning rounds but that's okay i'm i am okay i'm sorry no 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 it's me it's me too because i I also want to mention uh right after we finished recording last week tiktok released their apple vision pro app which sounds i know some people are like i never want to have tiktok in vr i just want to mention it's even it's actually way better in apple vision pro than on the iphone (laughs) because if you've ever opened tiktok it's just like a, a mess of things like the like, comment, save, share buttons are all on top of the video and there's captions happening. Like if there's live captions, then also like the caption for the post is on, like it's all there on your the video you're trying to watch and it's very busy. And TikTok actually, I think very intelligently in Apple Vision Pro, like moved all those elements off the video. And so you can watch TikTok videos and it's just a much cleaner experience. And so not saying... You should buy Apple Vision Pro for TikTok. Not at all, but it's actually a really good use of the platform, taking an app that is actually, in my opinion, better. Like even seeing the comments, these comments will pull up alongside to the right of the video. Or if you're on your phone, if you pull up the comments, you can't watch the video anymore. Like the comments just cover the whole video. So the Apple Vision Pro TikTok app, actually decent impressed people keep talking about how the apple vision pro needs a killer app and i'm just going to say that if tiktok is the killer app on the vision pro that will be more (laughs) concerning to me than the ai generated videos where the people don't have bones in their hands because this uh, where are we even going as a world (laughs) no no yeah no no uh okay last two things before we get to our personal tech which jason and i are going to argue about battery percentage in the status bar real quick i do want to mention because it's kind of a tangential follow-up waymo which is, we talked about full self-driving cars a couple of weeks ago. Apparently, the one car that might have been the argument for full self-driving, which not even, uh, it's halting expansion plans because of regulators. And I didn't realize, is Waymo owned by Alphabet, Google's parent company? Is that? Oh, yeah, I guess they are. I guess that is true. Uh, apparently, <laughs> I guess that is true. I think uh, that's what this Verge article revealed to me. So I'll link the article. But anyway, full self-driving maybe farther off than we think. 
I mean, Google does have a habit of just randomly collecting. I mean, that's companies, and apparently they were missing a W for Alphabet, so they picked. Actually, no, because they have Waze, right? Google owns Waze, so I that is true. But I still think that I I still think it's true. If it's in the Verge, I'm pretty sure it's true. (laughs) It's pretty sure it's true. That's Waymo, and then finally, I just want to hear Jason get mad about another streaming service, which is the. (laughs) which is about HBO. And uh, yeah, so tell me, uh, why are you mad at HBO? John Oliver, last week tonight, very popular show on HBO. And on Mondays, they would all, they, well, they would always release his main story on YouTube, right? So that you could just watch it on YouTube, just like the clips, kind of like what we do, right? We you, Steven edits the show, puts it on YouTube, but then he also puts like clips that he shares on shorts and that kind of stuff. And HBO has said that they are not going to do that. They are going to wait until Thursdays to, to, to post any of that content. And the reason is because they want people who like John Oliver to pay for it for max. I mean, they just came out and said it. And it's like, they're treating the people who are watching it on YouTube the same way Netflix is treating the people who share their password with their roommates as if they are doing something wrong. And my take is you put it, they're not watching YouTube pirated streams that people are DVRing and then somehow like, you know, sitting there and, and posting them. You were putting them there and now you've decided that you're going to make the experience worse for your fans because you think that they will, if they're not already paying $20 a month for HBO Max, like John Oliver, great, very talented. His stuff is very good, but this is not what's going to do. You're just going to make a bunch of people mad, right? And even John Oliver, he if you scroll down just a little bit, if you're watching this on on, on YouTube, he is the one, well, he got ad blockers on, so you can't see oh, it, but he, he tweeted about it or X'd it or however it works saying like this is, you know, normally I would share a link on Mondays, but HBO has decided to wait till Thursdays. I hope that they change their mind <laughs> wow. is what he's saying. He's like, this is stupid, but until then you can pay for Max. So I just, streamer, like I just, my, well, I put this into the show notes with a link that just says more bad streaming behavior because it's like people seem to think that the most convincing way to get someone to pay you more money is to make the experience worse and they will be so thankful that you did that that they will give you more money to get back the same experience they were having before. That just feels like really bad business. I don't, I don't know. Like it just doesn't feel like that's the way you should do it. You know, I was going to make the devil's advocate argument to say like Netflix is not putting clips of their original shows on YouTube. For people to watch. So maybe Max is justified, but then I'm going to devil's advocate, my own devil's advocate and say, <laughs> I have probably watched more stand-up comedy specials via clips on TikTok than I ever have actually streamed on Netflix. And, yeah. and that is not an argument to say Netflix should try and shut that down because you can't. I mean, there's so many people sharing random clips, it's just random accounts sharing clips from like, you know, whatever comedy specials on Netflix. Honestly, I feel like it's the best advertisement for the content. <laughs> like if you can preview the content and you really like it, I feel like you would be more inclined to do it because the people who like John Oliver and maybe like that segment of the show, they're probably if they're not already paying for Max, I don't think this is going to convince them. It's just going to make them mad like yourself. Right. <laughs> and, the, and those who don't watch John Oliver not seeing that segment on YouTube that means nothing right. to them. Right. You know, they weren't watching it already, so they're not going to be motivated to go sign up for Max just for this. I understand leveraging some of your most popular content to get people to buy into your service, but like we have talked about, especially when streaming services, to take something away, like Amazon Prime Video taking away Dolby Atmos sound and Dolby Vision, to take something away from a package you've, like, someone started paying for, and these were all the, you know, features they got... I think taking something away is user hostile as opposed to 
something like Disney Plus adding a lower price tier with ads, but not changing anything about the tier you started paying for at the beginning of your subscription, although they raise prices every year, but not removing any features I think is different. So I'm with you. Yeah. I think this is this. Is and you, HBO even said a spokesperson said like, hey, listen, we started doing this because it was great promotional experience, you know, exposure for the show and it helped us build an audience. And apparently what they're saying is like, well, not enough of those people were converting to subscribers. So we're going to make the promotional exposure a little bit worse. I, I, I just feel like, again, don't treat people who are just doing the thing that you let them do because you were posting the stuff on YouTube as if they're freeloaders. They're not. They're just they're just enjoying the you're building an audience of fans and yes, you haven't figured out how to monetize them. I, I just this this just doesn't seem like the right way to do it. So for sure. All right. We have some personal tech. And then our bonus episode, I think we should talk about your notepads in the bonus episode. Okay. <laughs> so All physical right. media again makes a comeback in our bonus episodes. I love it. Yes, it's good. We're talk about battery percentage in a second, but I do want one follow-up. I downloaded Spark last week as we were talking about mail apps. It's on my Mac. I didn't delete it, but I didn't, I didn't set it up. And here's why. <laughs> that one issue I was having, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I wasn't able to log into my Google account on my Mac. It kept like 404 erroring at the end of the sign-in process to add a Google account to my Mac for mail and calendar and all that. And I didn't know what was going on. And so I believe this was on Threads. But Tazo from Hawaii, or maybe he emailed me, this was a setting, I, this is crazy, but apparently, if you're having an issue where you can't sign into an email account or whatever, you need to go to Safari, <laughs> Settings, Advanced, and there's a box you uncheck that says, Use Advanced Tracking and Fingerprinting. You have to uncheck that box, and then all of a sudden, I was able to sign into my Google account just fine. And then I can toggle it back on. It's some kind of security setting in Safari, which kudos, great, more security. But the fact that it won't let me add a Google account for mail, calendar, and contacts on my Mac is pretty wild. And I would never have thought to look at Safari settings. Although for things like Google, Microsoft Office, Office 365, it does open like a mini Safari window when you're in the settings pane to log into yep. those accounts. Apparently, the Safari settings and security is affecting that login window. And if you have that box checked, it might not let you log in, which is wild to me. But anyway, uncheck the box. I logged in, checked it again because I don't know what it does and I want to keep it checked. I assume it's security based. And I was able to add my Google account back. And so I never started to use Spark. Because now, my well, the re right. what's happening there is that essentially what that little tiny window that pops up is doing is passing a token from Safari to to Spark, right? Because you're actually logging into Safari, you're not actually logging into Spark, but somehow Google has to transfer that information, so it's sending that token between the two, and that's what's considered the advanced track. There's no tracking going on. There's no fingerprinting. It's just that that setting is what disables the ability for Google to say to Spark. Yep, we've authorized this person. They're good to go. It has to pass that information between the two of them, and that's what is you know that setting is doing. So okay, I'm back. I'm still on stock mail. I didn't try Spark because I got it working again. All right, <laughs> I still have it installed. I'll try it sometime. But you know, it's, that's a whole process. I have like four email accounts. One thing at a time. I'll, I'll try. Right. It. Yep. One thing at a time. All right. All right. And the other personal tech battery percentage, which I'm going to pull up one of Jason's articles here. It says <laughs> after five years, Apple is bringing back the battery percentage indicator on the iPhone. I don't know how you get away with this long of titles in your articles, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> like, this thing's got to be cut off in the Google search. Why it's going to make your life so much better. Two full sentences in the title of the headline. And no, the battery <sighs> percentage does not make your life better. I know this is a very divisive topic, 
I have done polls on X and Mastodon. I don't know if I did one on Threads yet. I do not put the percentage of battery in the status bar of my iPhone. I have widgets that can do that. I can swipe down from the control center. I am arguing, I don't think you need to see that granular percent unless you have like a mission critical job that, that you need your iPhone for every minute of the day or they're like, people are going to die or something and you need to know exactly when it hits 53% battery. I don't think you need to have the status bar icon. And Jason, make the case. You who work from I mean, home and leave your phone on the charger all day, why do you have the battery percentage in the status bar? Well, so it's not like I need to know what the battery percentage is specifically. It's just that uh-huh. of the two potential options, one of which is just a slowly depleting graphic, right? <laughs> and the other one is a slowly depleting graphic that has a number in it. The number yes. is a whole lot more glanceable, right? If, I, if I'm going to have a battery indicator at all that's going to give me that information it, at the point that I need it, having the number in there to me is far less anxiety inducing because I'm, I'm just looking at what a, I'm just looking at a number. I'm not like seeing the visual representation of my ability to communicate with the outside world slowly just draining away, which is what's happening when that battery battery indicator like goes down. And so I like, again, Uh I I don't necessarily like, I don't, I'm kind of indifferent. It's just to me having the number there just makes more sense because if I want that information, why do I want to swipe over to the, the, the today view or, or pull up a widget or do any of the, like, why wouldn't I just be like, Oh, the number's right there. Great. I'm good. To, I don't need to know any more than that. So, and I honestly don't pay attention to my back. <laughs> we were joking about this before. If you buy the biggest battery Apple has ever put into a smartphone, which is what I have in the 15 pro max, then I probably don't ever need to think about this which is mostly true. So I will say I'm, I'm, I have my phone here. So here's my battery icon, right? It's, it's right there. Oh, let, me, let me take away the screen share so you can see this large in the frame. There is my battery. Yeah, right? I see it. It's, it's pretty full. Like it's very full. I don't think seeing a number at this point in the day is going to have any bearing on it. Now, I will say my next question to you is at what percentage do you start feeling battery anxiety? For me, I can look down at that that thing, and if it looks less than half, and I still have more of the day left than not, or at least like many hours to left in the day, then I start thinking about where I'm going to charge this thing. But that's really the only time I start thinking about it, is when that little icon looks a little less than half full, and that's all. That's really the only uh, signal I need. Yeah. So, at what percentage are you like I'm going to do something now? Well, okay. I almost never see my battery be below 60% just because again, the battery is huge and I work from home. And so it's charged a lot of the times. And then if I go out, I'm plugging it into my car, right? There's, there's, there's like, and I drive an electric car. So I have plenty, plenty of juice for my phone. It's going to be just fine. Sure. But I, I, I think I just like the, the preciseness of the number as opposed to the ambiguity sure, of sure. the icon. And that, that part of it to me, I just don't like that additional mental overhead in my life of like not knowing like what, it's so, and just, but just like you, if I'm going to go out and it's, and I'm below half, but I don't, I don't really feel like I ever see it much below half. Like I get surprised if it's like 20%. I was like, how did that happen? Okay. I don't, I don't know how that happened. So yeah. see for me, if I'm recording videos uh, about something on my phone, I'll have my phone screen on. I set it so it never locks. And if I make, if I'm recording for an hour or so, cause I'm doing shortcuts videos or whatever, then later that day, my phone will be at like 20% and I'll be like, why is my phone dead? Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. The screen was on for like two hours as I was doing all this stuff. And those are the time. But, you know, I see the little icon and I see it, you know, it turns yellow. I have low power mode automatically enable. And I think, you know, that's a signal too. So I have a shortcuts automation 
where when the battery gets to 20% or maybe 30%, it goes into low power mode, which then also changes the icon to yellow in the status bar. And so at any point in the day, I can look down and say, oh, above 30% or below 30%. And if I'm below 30%, I definitely want to charge it. And I think that is another like, not number, but a visual cue to say, I know I am in the danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. That's mm-hmm. should, I should have had that quote. Let's mm-hmm. use that for next episode. But anyway, yeah, that's that's all I know. I need to check. But anyway, everyone, everyone listening, here's what you do: if you didn't already leave a five star review and said nerds or your favorite Halloween candy, then go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star rating and review, and in your review say battery percentage on, battery percentage off, and that will yeah. be the way we take this poll. Is five yeah. star reviews. That'd be great. And just understand that neither battery percentage on or off are any indication of anyone's political views. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> that one star review is really hurting the other guy. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, podcast. I could not care less. I just find it really funny. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. So let us know. Now we're going to go record a bonus episode about Jason using physical notepads. And I'm gonna, I have some I have thoughts on physical notepads as well. And so we're going right. to do that. To get the bonus episode, support the show on Apple Podcasts or at primarytech.fm. Click bonus episodes. You could sign up there. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching on YouTube. You can go subscribe over there, youtube.com slash at primarytechshow. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.